the Lord, thank you um, for this wonderful day. Thank you that you have given my dad a heart for your word, um, a heart that loves you and desires to honor you, Lord. I just ask as he speaks your word, Lord, I ask that you would um, give him the right tools, the right words to say what he's trying to say, and that he will come across um, in a way that we all can understand, Lord. I pray that you would strengthen him and give him wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. I love you, Daddy. I love you too, Anastasia. <laughs> Well, I picked an easy topic. We're going to talk about God. Does that narrow it down for you? You never run out of material, Greg. Well, believe me, I know. So obviously this is going to be a quick dip of your toe into the ocean. Explain God to me, if you don't mind. Um, how can he be close at hand and fill the universe at the same time? How can he be in time and out of time at the same time? How can he be not created yet intimate with his creation? How can he be the first and the last yet have no beginning and no end? How can he be completely divine, yet completely human in Christ our Savior? How can he be three persons in one God, and not three gods? It's hard to, to be divine, or Jesus had to be divine, completely divine or he could not have taken the wrath of God. No human being could do that. And he had to be completely human or he would not have been a worthy or a complete sacrifice for the sins of humanity. If you have answers to these questions, I'd certainly be willing to listen to them. Although I'm not expecting any great response from anybody. Um, in the, um, you know, one of the greatest theologians <coughs> in history was Augustine of Hippo in North Africa in the fourth century. And Augustine says, if you can understand it, it's not God. And I think that applies to everybody that gives it more than 10 seconds worth of thought. And what he's doing, he's pointing out that no human mind can ever fully comprehend God. But we must at least try to understand who God is and what he's like. It's difficult to explain our faith to others if we don't understand it very well ourselves. And this is one of the things that um, studying the Bible with someone else that's not very familiar with it, this is one of the things that it brings out very quickly. Because you get questions that you have to give an answer to or that you want to give an answer to, and then you find out very quickly 
that uh, you don't know what you thought you knew, or at least you don't know it very deeply. And so it calls you back to studying the word of God so that you can understand it more fully yourself. You know, it's ancient history to most of you here, but in the 1960s, there were a number of books written about the death of God. And you got them a lot if you were taking philosophy classes. And I read some of them. And it didn't leave you very much wiser when you finished than you were when you started. You quickly see if you bothered to read any of these books or listen to any of the commentary on television or that sort of thing, that what the phrase really meant was our society doesn't need God anymore or I don't find God personally relevant anymore. And a lot of this talk came from very liberal theologians and academics who discussed this without really ever having experienced God firsthand. And it's extremely difficult for anyone who's ever had an experience with the living God to think of him being irrelevant or dead because that concept is shattered anytime you have any kind of a encounter with God, all of a sudden everything changes. So what do we mean when we talk about God anyway? Many speak about God as if it was some sort of a concept or an idea but it's much more accurate to think of God as someone we experience or encounter. He isn't an idea, but a living reality who enters into our lives and transforms us. All of the really meaningful experiences that we have in life, those experiences that deeply affect and change us, we can share with others but it's very difficult to describe them. If you've been in a terrible accident or if you've been in a, a war where many people have been killed, you can share these experiences with others, but others can't understand them. They can't understand what we're really talking about, what it was really like. Encountering and experiencing God is just like that. It's extremely difficult to describe, but very easy to share with anyone who's also had the experience. Anyone that's been recently, has recently been converted, knows what you're talking about, because you can see beforehand all the questions, and then after you've experienced God, after you've met God, it doesn't mean you don't have questions anymore but you know that he's real. You know that he's there. So without having an experience with God, it's very difficult to talk to other people about him because there's no point of contact. There's no common ground to build on. And when Christians talk about God, they're not talking about a concept or an idea, but an encounter, an experience which they share with one another. It's, a lot, it's like talking about a friend that you have in common. That's why Christians talk about knowing God and not knowing about God. 
that's why we read the Bible. Because as we read the Bible, we encounter someone we know. And what we read amplifies and develops our knowledge of him. Rather than listening to philosophers talk about the ground of, their, of our being and ultimate being, it's refreshing to read scripture, which gives us true and effective pictures about what God is like as a father, as a shepherd, and so forth. Although no one image is enough in itself, together they give us a consistent picture of what God is like. And the first picture we get of God is that of creator, and we see it in Genesis 1.1, where it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. He did this by speaking them into existence out of nothing. There was no pre-existing material to fashion or refashion. Psalms 148, one through six, reads like this. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights, praise him all his angels. Praise him all his hosts. Praise him sun and moon, praise him all stars of light. Praise him highest in heavens, or praise him highest heavens, and the waters that are above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. He also established them forever and ever. He has made a decree which will not pass away. The act of creation, it's a mystery to us. You can't create, we can't create by speaking and we don't know how God could do that either. It's a mystery. It doesn't explain it. Just saying that God created something after, out of nothing is easy to say, but what do those words mean? If, if we just, we, we run out of thoughts and we run out of words. In fact, when Christians try, when Christianity really first took root and then expanded in the first and second centuries, it was dominated by various Greek philosophies. And their thought was of a God who did not create the world out of nothing, but out of existing materials. Matter was already there. It just needed to be given a definite shape. Sort of like building a house made of stone when the stones were already there. In this way, they could explain the existence of evil in the world. God's options in creating the world were limited by the poor quality of the materials available. So the presence of evil or defects within the world are not God's fault, but due to the deficiencies in the available material. The Bible doesn't know any such thing about something like that. There were no existing materials. God created everything out of nothing. And he declared that it was good, not deficient, not bad. It was good. So scripture says God was the creator, not some architect who fashioned something from existing materials. As the new world order 
that was created is not self-created. It's also not self-sustaining. The universe is constantly upheld by God. And without this, every creature, including ourselves, would cease to exist. That's why God could not die on the cross. Jesus died in his humanity. But if God had died on the cross, everything would have ceased to exist in an instant. Because God is who holds everything together. He sustains everything. Every breath we take is because God exists. He created us and he sustains us. Colossians 1.17 reads, He is before all things and in him all things hold together. Hebrews 1.3 says, And he, talking about Jesus, is the radiance of his glory, God's glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. The exact representation of God and upholds all things by his power. Paul told the people of Athens and Greece, he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. Realizing our moment-to-moment -moment dependence on God, the creator, for our very existence makes it right and necessary to live lives of devotion, commitment, gratitude, and loyalty toward him. How can these things not be when God is the one that created us and sustains us and gives us every breath we take? And then people say, well, I don't believe in God. Well, they would if they quit breathing that instant. They believe it and they would, they would actually meet God in a heartbeat because he's the one that sustains them to begin with. They breathe because of him. Godliness starts with God being the first focus of our thoughts. That's where godliness begins. The names we are given are just identifying labels. And they could be changed with it without any loss. In other words, we could change our name to Mark. We could change it from Mike to Bill to Roger to Richard to Kevin or any whatever name you want. And there would be no loss of identity. But just like Bill was saying at the very beginning, the Bible tradition is different especially the first part of the Bible, because the tradition in the Bible is you have the idea that a person's name gives information describing in some way who they are. Now, if you want to look up the name Greg in the dictionary, they will, you'll see the first thing it says is that it means, I guess from Latin, I don't know, it means vigilant. And sometimes I am and sometimes I'm not but you certainly couldn't use it as a description of me to describe who you, you would think I was from the first minute you meet me. In the Old Testament, there is constant celebration over the fact that God has made his name known to Israel. Psalm 8.1 says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth who have displayed your splendor above the heavens. 
And Psalm 113, 2 and 3 says, Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forever. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Name here means God himself, as he has revealed himself by word and deed. God declared to Moses, out of the burning thorn bush that was not consumed, God identified himself as the God of Moses' ancestors, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And when Moses asked, who should he say this God was when the people asked him, God first said, I am who I am, or I will be who I will be. And then he shortened it just to I am. And finally, he called himself Lord, capital L, capital, capital O, capital R, capital D. Hebrew meaning Yahweh, a name in Hebrew that sounds like I am, the God of your fathers. The burning bush seems to be a three-dimensional illustration of God's own, own inexhaustible life. Never ends. The burning bush never ceased to exist. God said, this is my name forever, and this is my memorial name <clears throat> to all generations. <clears throat> so Moses asked God, what name should he use for Pharaoh? And by saying, I am, the Lord is saying his people should always think of him as the ever-living, reigning, all-powerful king. That's how he exists. And later Moses asked God to show him his glory on the mountain. And in replying, God said, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and, you, and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. Then the Lord said, after putting Moses in the cleft of the rock and covering him with his hand, he said, the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding and loving kind, loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression and sin yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations. This answers the question, in what way does God behave? He behaves according to his name. In, in a way that's just always, that shows God's moral character is echoed throughout scripture and it's all part of his name, the disclosure of his nature. And God's always existed. Sometimes children ask, who made God? The answer is God was already there, always there. 
he never needed to be made. Psalms 92 says, before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God is self-existent. Theologians came up with the name or with the word aseity, meaning that he has life in himself and derives his unending energy from himself. The words in Latin, A and C, S-E, mean from himself. So aseity, from himself he has life. Theologians are, you don't have to read very much in the way of theology before you'll find out very quickly that theologians are always coming up with terms with terms that they didn't have to explain so you'll understand what they mean. So they're real good at that. They make up words or they put words together that nobody understands and then they have to explain them to you. So anyway, in Isaiah, <clears throat> in the 40th chapter, Isaiah 40, 28 through 31, reads, Do you not know, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired. His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youth grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. And in John 5, 26, we read, just as the father has life in himself, even so he gave to the son also to have life in himself. And in Revelations 4, 10, it says the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before his throne. Endless mistakes result when we start supposing that the conditions and bounds and limits of our own finite experience apply to God too, because they are completely other. God is not like us in any of our restriction and any of our finiteness. Self-existence is a, is a hard concept for us to grasp because it means that God in himself is unknowable. Everything we know, everything we see, or everything we taste or touch has a beginning. It's hard for us to think in any other category. A.W. Tozer says, few of us have hearts that gaze in wonder at the I am, the self-existent one. Such thoughts are too painful for us. 
So our minds start to cloud over, our eyes begin to glaze when we start trying to think about the depths of who God is. But nevertheless, he tells us, search the scriptures and see who he is. God's self-existence means he is not answerable to us or anybody. And many of us don't like that. We want God to give an account of himself, to defend his actions. Why'd you do this, God? Why that? And although sometimes he explains things to us, he doesn't have to, and often he doesn't. God has no origins. His experience does not depend on anybody. And God is transcendent. That means that he's not bound by space. He's, he's everywhere in the fullness, continually in his fullness. There is no present moment into which he is locked as we are. That's what the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon said in first Kings. He said, but will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house which I have built. And again, back in Isaiah 40, beginning in verse 21, it says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundation of the earth? He who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He it is who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless, Scarcely have they been planted, scarcely have they been sown, scarcely has their stock taken root in the earth, but he merely blows on them and they wither, and the storm carries them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me, that I would be his equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars the one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. Not one of them is missing. This is a lot to say about God. And Isaiah 66, one reads, this is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Well, we read that, didn't we? Where's, my, where's the house that you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? So Isaiah is repeating some of the same things that Solomon says, because it's always the question, where do you think God dwells? What's big enough and splendorous enough to contain him. Which brings me to another question that has no answer that I know of. How is it that God fills the universe but doesn't take up any space? 
Ever thought about that? I have, and I don't have an answer to that either. And Bible, and the Bible says God is immutable. That means he doesn't change. He's totally consistent because he's perfect. He cannot change either for the better or for the worse. And because he's not in time, he is not subject to change as creatures are. Second Peter 3.8 says, but do not let this one fact escape your notice, beloved, that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. God's immutability means his change is not. Doesn't mean that he's immobile. Doesn't mean he's frozen. He's a dynamic living God who's constantly working. John 5.17 says, my father is working until now, and I am working. Sometimes God is described as being sorry, repenting, or changing his mind. And when you read the scriptures in context, they show that God is constant. In holiness and righteousness, God always abhors, hates sin, and reacts against it. In his grace and mercy, he forgives those who repent and carries out his promises without fail. This immutability, this changelessness, <coughs> explains why when people change their attitude toward him, he changes his attitude toward them. First Samuel 15, 11, <clears throat> God's talking about King Saul. He says, I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not carried out my command. In the book of Jonah, in talking about the city of Nineveh, it says, when God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them. The idea that the changelessness of God involves unresponsive indifference to what goes on in this world is the exact opposite of the truth. God does not change. He's always holy. He always loves righteousness. He always hates sin. So if we sin and repent, then God changes. He changes because he's no longer going to punish us for the sin because we repented. But his, his righteousness, which is always his character, his mercy just exhibits itself because he always wanted to have mercy on us from the beginning. It's just that we were stubborn. We were rebellious. And God has to be like his character, which says sin is punished and righteousness is brought near to him. So it's God's character that doesn't change. It's always the same. And it's always gracious. There's so much more to say about who God is. In fact, there's no end. But since we're bound by time, even though God isn't, We'll continue a little bit later. Know that we really haven't considered things like the Trinity, which is sort of the culmination of mystery. It's 
to one of the great mysteries of God. We can talk about it and we can give definitions, but we can't explain it. Remember what Augustine said, if you can understand it, it's not God. Job found that out when God started asking him questions like, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you understand. Questions about who God is, who God is are good questions to ask. When we ask from a heart that wants to know and understand, understand him to the fullness of our capabilities in order to honor and adore him. And that's why we search the scriptures. Let's pray. Lord, we're just uh, awestruck when we begin to think about who you are. If we think we know a little bit and we find out that we know even less than we thought we knew. Just like our knowledge is, is a mile wide and an inch deep. But Lord, we want to know you more. And we want to search your scriptures to find out more about you in every way that you reveal yourself. And in the ways that you haven't fully revealed yourself, which are so many, Lord, cause us to just long to know you because the more we know you, the more we see the glory and honor and majesty of who you are. So we just pray that you would um, draw near to us as we draw near to you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Greg. You willing to take a few questions? <laughs> as long as you can take a few, I don't know. <laughs> Greg, as you were speaking, I was thinking about, I don't want this to sound trite. Uh, I was thinking about somebody who had just gone to the Grand Canyon for the first time, had come back home and was trying to tell us about what they saw. And they would go into the, the size and the magnificence and the detail and the layers and the, and the, and the air and the smells and the sun. And, and there was going on about this beautiful, marvelous Canyon that they had seen and they just couldn't stop talking about it because it thrilled them. It thrilled them to have seen it and to have experienced it. And as you were speaking, I was thinking, you know, God, Greg, wants to see God because he wants to experience the thrill of seeing the person of God. Oh yeah. You know, and so, so the question becomes, well, what, what is the benefit to knowing God in this way? How would you explain, how would you answer that question? Somebody, What's the benefit of, of studying the scriptures to know God this way? Sanctification is growing more and more like God until you graduate into holiness where you're like God, as much as the finite can be like the infinite. And so the, we're called as creatures that God loves and the ones that he wants to draw near into himself. He, it's part of, of the calling of being his is to know him more and to honor him more. So I think that he puts that longing in our heart um, 
and the more we can do whatever facilitates that, spending more time with him and less time with the frivolities of this world, the more it will change us so that the, you, I don't, how can you explain that I was in Newfoundland one time and parts of Newfoundland stick out into the, the North Atlantic further than any part of the North American continent. And I was sitting up on a rock looking out over the endless water and you could see whales out there. But there was nothing between me and Europe except maybe Greenland somewhere out there. And you just look and after a while you just, you just it's like you're soak, a sponge soaking in the wonder. And that's a little bit about, not much, but a little bit about God. The more you see him, the more you just, you're beside yourself. Uh, I don't know how to answer. I think that's really a longing of everybody's heart is to, is to know God in that way. Because to me, once you know God in that way, you can better see who you are yourself. Well, nobody's ever going to convince you that God doesn't exist once you've had an experience with God. Yeah. You can just laugh at them or you can shake your head in sorrow or whatever, but you know they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. And you have, you have better footing for understanding who you are in his creation. Yeah. I mean, you, you are not God <laughs> because God is God. That means I'm not God. And um, he is the one who... To know him is to have life, right? I mean, to know him is to have life. And people who haven't known him yet are missing that whole aspect of life, right? I it, can't it, even control Pat, much less anything else. <laughs> or vice versa. Anyone else have a follow-up comment or question? <coughs> Greg? If so, ask Preston. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I made a list of questions, but I'll give everybody else first shot. <laughs> I, I think I have kind of a question comment and um, it made me think about when I was 12 and 13 years old, the burning questions in my soul were, who am I and why am I here? And I had sought to find the answers out in many different places and I never could find the answer. And I, I knew a lot of things about, about God, but it was only when I met Jesus that, that I came to an understanding of, or, or let me put it this way, the beginning of an understanding of, of who I was and why I was here, because it was something that I never could answer on my own. He had the answer. And, um, and so as, as you were thinking about all these questions that we don't have answers to, we don't, we, we may have, I have more answers now than I did when I was 12 and 13, but I have hope <laughs> in the one who, who does have the answer and who is the answer. And um, so it is in finding out more of who he is that we find out more of who we are and that he indeed has a purpose and a reason forever having created us. So just kind of a thought I was having while you were talking, Greg. Thank you, Barry. 
Anybody else? So Greg, does, does the Bible say that God created everything out of nothing? Ex nihilo is the words that they use, out of nothing. Yes. No existing materials. Okay. Greg, I was um, thinking about your comment about the, the, the mystery of him feeling all in all, but not taking up any space. And, you know, when you sit and you try to contemplate all of his different virtues and who he is and the fact that he, um, he really is everything and holds it together, um, it's just so humbling to think that in that bigness of who he is, he made room for you and me. Uh, not only just here in time, but in his heart. And uh, that's enough to overwhelm me right there. Yeah. Well, I'm, I remember one of the, <clears throat> the questions that, um, that came about when uh, people were praying to the saints. You know, some people in church history and even some people today. For example, if you're praying to your patron saint, Saint Anne, and you're in North Carolina praying to St. Anne, and somebody's in China praying to St. Anne, and somebody's in Italy praying to St. Anne, all at the same time. Can St. Anne hear all three of you, or all 10 of you? And, and they said, well, yes. And they said, well, does that mean that she's omnipresent? Is she's present everywhere at the same time? So she's gotta be divine. She's gotta be, you know, trans transformed into, to being someone that can be every place at the same time. And, they, and the theologians quickly backed off and said, no, 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 we don't mean that. And then we go, well, then how can that be? And they didn't come up with an answer. So you, you only, you know, how can God be everywhere at the same time? Because he's out, because he's infinite, he's self-existent, he's everywhere at the same time, but nobody else is. Nobody else. The devil's not everywhere at one place. He can only be one place at a time. So the more you ask questions, the more you get tied up in the answers because you give an answer and then you find out the answer doesn't make sense if you're not careful. I, I think about um, uh, you know God's creation and make, making something out of nothing, and uh, think about physics and just you know how research covered we're we're pretty much made out of these particles that are wave particles, which are like nomadic things, which really don't have any, don't really in a sense take up space, and yet we're made up of those things. Um, so it's, you know, in a sense, we're made, we are made out of nothing because <laughs> the things that we're made up of don't, in some sense, have a physical, you know, presence or fit. You can't touch them. You can't, you know, they're, they're moving, they're vibrating they're, And yet that's what we're made out of. So anyway, I just think that's yeah. kind of, that, that's another whole sermon because many, many of the things that guide and shape who we are, <clears throat> Like, like love, it has no material content. 
in itself. Uh, like you say, atoms and the space between atoms, or you talk about, well, to me, mathematics. I mean, it's immaterial, right? But it describes all material motion and thermodynamics, and it just it can describes all this. Um, you know, I think everybody has in them a desire for the same things. We all desire peace. We all desire rest. We all desire security. We all desire hope. We all desire the future. We all desire some significance or fulfillment or purpose. Um, and knowing God brings all those things into our life. And nothing else does. Mm. You know, knowing him fully all of those things I just listed resonate. They've, it's like walking through this tunnel and singing and you find the resonance pitch and everything starts to vibrate, right? That's what happens in me when, when I see God, all of those things resonate within me. I know I've found my home, right? I've, I found where I need to be. Um, I do have another song. Um, if you'll just bear with me for a second, let me switch around here. And then uh, we will we will pray through some things after this, and then Mary will go to you. God moves in a mysterious way. His wonders to perform. <clears throat> he plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in his dark and hidden minds, with never failing Fashions are his bright designs and works his sovereign will. So, God, we trust in you. Oh, God, we trust. clouds that you now dread are big with mercy and will bring in blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sins, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence he hides a smiling face. So God, we trust in you. Oh God, we trust in you. 
tis our great and comforts you. We hope in mercies ever new. We trust in you. God's purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to end, and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. So, God, we trust in you. Oh, God, we trust in you. When tears are great, and comforts you. We hope in mercies ever new. When tears are great and comforts you, we hope in mercies ever new. When tears are great and comforts you, we hope in mercies ever new. We trust in you. simply to know you in greater wonder and in greater awesomeness, Lord, of, of all of these characteristics, Lord, your nature, your, in, your infinity and in every perfection of your glory. Lord, it, it, it does. It, we, we just stagger. No wonder, Lord, when we see you finally face to face, we will not be able to stand. It will just be too much for us to take in at once. Every aspect of who you are, Lord, is beautiful. Every aspect of who you are is loving and righteous. Lord, you hate evil with every fiber of your being. And yet your love is given to thousand generations. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray that you would awaken within us and resonate within us who you are. Lord, that we might enjoy you forever. We might enjoy you today, this afternoon. We might enjoy all that you've done and all that you've made and all that you're going to do, Lord God, in us. Lord, we're like Job, and, and when you begin to speak to us and reveal yourself to us, we just have to sit and, and try to drink it in, sip by sip by sip for a million years. We will, you'll continue, Lord, to reveal to yourself to us. A glorious day. A glorious day when we come to know Jesus Christ and have the life that he is.
Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. May I read um, this week's scripture before we do announcements? And Sure, please go ahead. Um, who, who have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Mm -hmm. Psalm 73, 25 and 26. Mm -hmm. Amen. God speaks to every, every circumstance and situation. Amen. Are there any uh, uh, significant prayer requests we could receive now? We will be praying Wednesday night and we encourage you to come then, but uh, if there's something urgent. Um, everybody good? We do need to pray for our government and what's happening. Um, um, with the Supreme Court, for sure. And Mary, we'll go to you then. Yeah, while, while we were meeting, Arthur and Emia joined us. So we welcome you all today. And Galena came in and... Um, I think Magda, Magda joined us. I think Magda, are you still with us? She may not be with us now. Um, so anyway, it's always good to see all of you. It's such a blessing. Um, I was thinking uh, also out of Zephaniah when it says, um, do not fear, O Zion, do not let your hands fall limp. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. And um, I think that, that talks about how he celebrates. He celebrates us. He rejoices over us with singing. And um, we want to rejoice with Bill and Julie King this week as they celebrate their anniversary on Tuesday. Yeah. Number 42. Wow. 42. That that's exciting. 42. The faithfulness of God for um more than 42 years because it's 41. 41. Well, I had 41 down and I thought, yeah. well, maybe I was wrong. <laughs> it just seems like 42 to her. <laughs> but but you all had had continued to communicate for a year while you were in New York, right, Bill? So We've been, we started dating in 1975. 75. Yeah. So that's 45 years there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we are grateful for you all. And there's And I grow more in love with her every day, just to let you know. <laughs> wow. That, that is a picture of Jesus, isn't it? Uh, and his love for us. There are also several other anniversaries this week that some of you have children who are having anniversaries. Uh, yeah. The Buellers will be celebrating with Kyle and Stephanie 
tomorrow for on their sixth anniversary. Oh, wow. Which I can't fathom that, but six years. And the Durhams will be celebrating with Josh and Hope their first anniversary. And that's tomorrow as well. So Stephanie and, and Josh got married um, on the same date. And then the uh, Dennis's are celebrating with Robin on Wednesday for her 23rd birthday. So um, a lot of celebrations this week. And then we are celebrating with our friend Heather in Peru. They were supposed to be married in April, but because of COVID, they have had to put that off until this coming Thursday. So they will be married on Thursday and we are celebrating with them. And her new husband is named Pablo. Heather has continued to serve our uh, Crosswave ministry in the body of Christ by continuing to take, we've sent money down there. And uh, we got a report last night of a number of people who received food. And um, actually they ran out of food, but they had one Bible left and a Peruvian had donated some money and they put money in, in, the, in the Bibles that they give out because people have need for medicines and you know different kind of practical needs that they have. So they didn't have any more food, but they had a Bible and money that they gave to a lady who had just accepted Jesus. Our friend Blanca led a lady to Jesus. So we got that report last night from Heather um, less than a week before she's getting married. So we're rejoicing over that. And we will look forward to seeing you Wednesday night, as Bill said, at prayer meeting. I think those are the announcements I have, I think. And for, and for any of the ladies that are coming over with their sandwich at 1.30, we're gonna meet on the front porch. There is a wedding taking place in the very spot I had planned for us to meet. <laughs> so we will meet on the front porch and if there are too many of us, we'll go down to the backyard of the church on the corner. Okay, thank you, Pat. Where's Greg gonna be? I'm going to corral him and keep him up here. <laughs> oh. You can join him. I'm going to be at Elvira's house. <laughs> I, I forgot to mention also, um, Eva sent a picture yesterday of uh, she and Damien biking with somebody that we all know, Laura Catherine Etheridge. Oh, really? <laughs> So I think that bike trip was yesterday, Eva. Is that right? Yes, that's right. We ride yesterday and it was really, we really enjoyed the time together and riding. Yes, yeah, so Laura Catherine's getting to spend time with Eva and her husband. That's, that's great. Like, Love it. Love that's it. Cool. Say hello to her from us. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I told. I told. How about you, Arthur? Anything new? Hello. Hello, everybody. I'm doing well. Thank you. Yeah, so we are. We have more liberty now. <laughs> Finally. Yes. Yes. We can go out without worrying about the police catching us. <laughs> Getting arrested. <laughs> That's always a good thing. <laughs> yeah. 
It's good to see you, Arthur. Yes, good to see you all. Galena, how are things in Russia this, today? Can't hear you're you. Like, you're muted. We can't hear you. Uh, I think it's okay. We don't have strong rules about coronavirus and people can go outside and don't worry about, <laughs> about it. Are you remembering your English? I guess you are, huh? Yes. 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 You can practice Spanish, uh, Russian a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Elena, when do you come home? In October, I hope. <laughs> yeah. And have, have you gotten your paperwork back for your passport? Uh, not yet. It will be beginning of October. Okay. Okay. It's good to see you. We're praying for you and your mother on Wednesday night. Thank you so much. It's so good to see everybody. So yeah. bad. Mm. Yeah, Paul, Paul and Adriana, I think, can go outside now. There was rain in Oregon and Portland area. The skies look a lot clearer now. I looked at a couple webcams, so yeah, they're doing better. Yeah, did y'all did y'all see and, and smell the smoke last weekend here? We we did. It was, I didn't. No, it might have been the neighborhood fire, but the, the, the news guy said it was coming. It had come from the West Coast. But, uh, yeah, anyway. It didn't come to carry. Okay, good, good, good. Maybe it's just local. Well, God bless y'all all on our anniversary week. Oh, happy birthday, Robin. Thank you. Oh, is Robin there? Hey, Robin, happy birthday. Happy birthday, Robin. Happy birthday, Robin. Robin, you got a new job? I did. Congratulations. Thank you. Now, Robin, since you've got a job, you can pray for me to get one. <laughs> I will. Hey, Robin, don't go away. We want to sing happy birthday to you. Oh, <laughs> uh, you don't have to. It's okay. Oh, no, this is unlike any birthday song you will ever get. Trust me. It's different. <laughs> it, will, it will be etching to your memory forever. <laughs> in the my mind that's for sure <laughs> god bless you all folks hey, what, bill bill before you go one thing i wanted to mention to people that use wechat to communicate with chinese friends yeah the government is planning to shut off access to wechat so if you do use that you need to uh get another communication tool to uh communicate with the uh, uh people in china yeah i saw that Yes, a and a good one is called Signal. Signal. Okay. Skype is also actually working now in okay. China. Okay. Oh. Jan, is that what you're, you're using Skype? Uh, sometimes, sometimes. And also the latest uh, information is, um, is postponed right now. In, they plan to shut down um, today, but it's postponed. 
okay. Yeah. Do you know how long it's postponed, Jan? So far, no. Nobody knows how long. Yeah, nobody knows. <laughs> but but I, I think we, I think we should make plans to find an alternate. Uh, yes. Yeah. Anyway. Thanks for the reminder. Yeah. What is Signal? It's an app. It, it's kind of app. It goes, on, it goes on one of these, Greg. What's that thing you've got in your hand? <laughs> it's a picture of Malcolm. It's not an abacus. No, it's a it baseball is. card. Greg, it's an, an encrypted app. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll pray Wednesday night, folks. Okay. Jan, you doing okay? Thank you. Okay. Good. All right. God bless. Bless you. Bless you. Bye, everyone. Bye. See you soon, Pat. Bye. Bye, Bye Eva. Bye. Good to see you. Bye, Henry. Love Bye, you, Mr. Bill. Bye, Bye Miss Mary. Bye, Miss Carla. Love you. Bye, Bye Henry. Bye. Bye, Carla. Bye. Good to see you yesterday, Henry. <laughs> All right. Three, two, one.